0: Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors and industry experts. On this episode of Celeb savant, I'll be speaking to Andrew Allen. He's had top five hits in Canada, a top 30 in the U.S., landed songs in film and television and has written multi-platinum records for Italian superstars, K-pop artists and DJs. Not only is he a prolific singer-songwriter, he's also a true live performer that's open for the likes of Bruno Mars, One Republic, Train, Andy Grammer and the Bare Naked Ladies. Up next on SlabSavant, we've got Andrew Allen. So Andy, thank you for your time today. So tell us, where do we find you in the world, what's happening in your life and how are you doing? <laughs>
1: Oh, man. So I'm in a, a town called Vernon, British Columbia, yeah. which is about four and a half hours northeast of Vancouver. Um, it's, uh, you know, for those that have never been here or heard of it, it's called the Okanagan Valley is the region that I live in. And it's very, very hot in the summer. We grow a lot of grapes for wine. And then in the winter, we've got great ski hills with a lot of snow. So it's kind of this, uh, it's it's very, very, um, it's sort of this little pocket in Canada that I absolutely adore. So I grew up, spent most of my life here. And uh Moved away for quite a while and then came back.
0: Let's take it all the way back to the beginning of your musical journey. Sure. So tell us your journey, your story, what got you into the music industry and the Andy Allen story. Sure. So in 2008,
1: I guess it was, I mean, you know, if I go way back, I was, you know, playing piano when I was five years old as a little boy. But in 2008, I decided that it would be good to just really take a shot. And so I recorded an album in my living room. And, uh, you know, naturally called it the living room sessions, (laughs) went out on tour with a a friend of mine who was really the catalyst for going out on my own, because he said, you got to come on tour with me. And I said, well, I've never played without a band. And he's like, nope, you can do it solo. So basically sold everything I had, uh, got a minivan, started touring across the country and just, you know, sort of selling CDs off the stage, trying to find places to stay after the shows, the, you know, sort of the musician's dream and uh, (laughs) toured very, very hard for for probably two years but in that span also toured the UK and booked it all myself and and managed everything sort of under that umbrella and then miraculously I ended up playing a show in Toronto that attracted some label interest um, they came out and they sort of were like we like what you're doing but we think that you could you know you could benefit from writing songs with other people so they sent me on a trip to Nashville and in Nashville my first writing session was with a guy named Robin Gosch and him and I wrote Loving You Tonight in about 45 minutes, which I thought, this is a great song. I feel like it's got some legs. So when I got back to Canada, I released it to the radio and um, did it all independently again. And it it seemed to blow up in, in Canada. So it went top 10 in Canada, which got me noticed by a manager in the U.S. who got me to come to the U.S. and in turn signed a record deal with Epic Records and with Sony Music Publishing. And then... From that point forward, that year kind of just blew up, and I was on tour with everybody from the Script to the Bare Ladies to One Republic, and opening for Joshua Radin and Andy Grammer, and it was amazing. It was a great year, and that kind of uh, that's kind of what blew everything up for me and gave me the opportunities to to put out songs into you know, sort of the music industry at large, as opposed to just releasing it off the stage, you know, in small towns all the way across Canada.
0: When you write music, are you still collaborating with other writers or you uh, is it writing by yourself?
1: Um, I do write by myself, um, but I love collaborating. I think it's, it's a great way to, you know, sort of share your ideas. They share their ideas and you often, you know, bring things out of each other that you're like, wow, I... I didn't mean to say it that way, but I did. Or they'll hear something that you said and they go, that's amazing. You're like, that ah, was an accident, but I'm glad you like it. So it gives you a lot of opportunities to sort of reach deeper than you could, I think, on your own. Plus, I'll write with other artists for their projects, which I also find really fun. It's almost like, you know, like a hairdresser listens to you talk while you're in the chair. And they <laughs> they uh they help psychoanalyze you and give you advice for the future. And I feel like as a songwriter, sometimes we get to hear other people's stories and help put that into song for them. And that's exciting, especially when you see an artist that maybe hasn't had that many singles do that well and all of a sudden you write a song with them and it helps catapult their career.
0: Do you collaborate with the same artists over and over again or do you collaborate with new artists each time?
1: I love working with new artists. Um there's a lot of writers that I work with on a regular basis cuz we've just sort of found, you know, found a niche that we we work really well together. So You know, there's a guy up here in a country band um, that him and I write together quite a lot. And we really enjoy the process. The producer of my last record, his name is Josh Bogert, and him and I wrote together for that album. But we continually write together because we really enjoy that process, too. So, yeah, often artists will get sent to me and then I'll bring in another writer or they'll get sent to them and then they bring me in. So it ends up being sort of like a three way co-write, which is a lot of fun.
0: How do you decide which song is for you? to sing Mm. and which song is for another artist sometimes it's genre
1: specific so if i'm writing a country song for somebody else i I know pretty strongly that it's not going to be for me because i don't you know i don't really release that but it also depends how emotionally invested in it i am so if i'm trying to extract feelings and emotions from another artist and help them craft a song that really really is them then i'm not even really focused that it might be mine (laughs) but if i'm really emotionally invested in it then at the end of the session i might be like if you're not going to take this song i you know i might be interested in doing something with it because i uh yeah i don't like putting my emotions out there for somebody else to sing about i'd rather keep it keep yeah, it yeah. close yeah
0: and what inspires your uh writing is it self-journey what's happening in the world obviously you it's a p- partnership and collaboration with these other artists or other producers or other writers and they bring to the table their experiences but is yeah. it personal experiences or what's happening in the world or both i find that i'm
1: influenced by things without even knowing i am so definitely there's inspiration from things that are happening in the world and even when i'm in a writing session if somebody's trying to you know if, say they're talking about their own relationship and maybe it's a it's like a, an affinity for somebody or it's a it's a frustration about something that they're experiencing in their relationship then usually i'll try to tap into a moment or a memory or a, a time that i experienced something similar so that i'm able to give them that honest that honest emotion and don't get me wrong i can write you know with uh sometimes you're writing stuff for dance pop artists and and they just want something that's going to hit real hard in the club and you want to put your hands up. And I don't have a ton of experience with that at this point in my life. I have a seven-year-old daughter and I'm not going out to the clubs and staying (laughs) out till 4am, but I can definitely imagine what that would be like. But if I'm thinking, you know, if I'm being real, the songs that I'm most proud of and the songs that I'm happiest to invest in are the ones where I draw on personal experience that I've gone through. And um, those typically are the ones that, that come out sort of the easiest.
0: is, And do you always find it easy? Is it always an easy process? No, no, No. I don't. (laughs) No, there's some times where it just, it just comes out and you're like, wow,
1: that was so, like, why isn't it like that all the time? And then there's other times where it it just feels like you're walking up a hill in mud and you're like, (laughs) why none of the words coming out? I find my biggest challenge is if I start writing any other part of the song other than the chorus first, then I've I've shot myself in the foot. Okay. Like if I don't start with the chorus and I don't get that thematic idea out first, then the verse will come together and I'll be like, "This is a great verse." And then there's so much pressure to make the chorus even better. And then I I just often I'm like, "I can't, I can't do it. I can't beat the verse." So it's it's
0: better if I start with the chorus always. And have you ever had a verse that that became the chorus? Yes. yes I have. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yep, so that absolutely. let the pressure off of you from. And making it the chorus better than the verse because the verse, verse became the chorus.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Or there's a, I have a song called time that ended up becoming um, a Folgers coffee commercial. And that song um, doesn't even really have a chorus. It just sort of is like this. It's almost like a, a hymn from church way back in the day where mm-hmm. it's like almost like four stanzas. And then there's like a little woe part in the middle, but that didn't seem to warrant like a specific chorus. And so it, uh, yeah, it, so that way we got out of that one <laughs> without having to write a chorus. <laughs> but uh, the song is still very strong. It just didn't need that. So we try to, you know, you try to always go with what the song leads you to do.
0: Now your bucket list of top five artists that you have yet to write for or collaborate for that you'd still like to. Oh gosh,
1: there's a ton.
0: First five that come to mind.
1: You know, it's funny. I I haven't thought of it really heavily, but um, John Legend would be one. I think that dude can sing the phone book. I don't think he even... <laughs> He's just got he's so effortless. Yeah. Um, John Mayer would be somebody I would love to collaborate with. But I feel like I would be so intimidated because I'm such a big fan. And I just think he just word vomits these incredible songs that doesn't seem to even try. It just happens. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, how do you do that? I feel like the same thing would happen if I ever flew like in one of those pods across the country. Because like, it would be lost on me. I wouldn't sleep. I'd be so excited that I'd be in it that I'd be yeah. like, yeah, sure, give me the food and the drinks, and let's <laughs> hang out. Let's see who else. Um, I collaborated with Megan Trainer very, very early on before she had all about that base, and I thought she was one of the most prolific, talented writers I've ever worked with. And I would love to work with her now at this point in her career mm-hmm. to see where she's gone and uh, and just to like just to be part of that process. I think it'd be cool. I would love to write with Ryan Tedder because I think he's a beast with everything that he writes. He's just got yeah. such incredible melodic sensibilities. And I listened to a podcast um, called And The Writer Is um, with Ross Golan. And I think Ross Golan sounds like such an interesting, introspective character. So I think to write with him would also be a, a treat. So there'd be my five.
0: And you you mentioned that you've opened for a whole bunch of different artists. What is it like opening for an artist compared to doing your own show where you the featured artist? Because sometimes I feel, and I might be wrong, and it might be different in Canada, but in South Africa, sometimes I feel that, okay, cool, here's opening artists, but the people just want the main artist to come on, and they're not as invested in the opening act as they are as the main artist. Do you sometimes feel that being the opening artist? Yeah, definitely. But I feel like it's you,
1: you wear a different hat, you know, when you're doing it. if I'm headlining a show and I know that people have come out to see me, then there's this, um, not a relaxation because you're definitely not relaxed, but you, you can go out and kind of like, you know, they're there to see you. So you can kind of pause a little more. You can bring them into it a little more. You mm-hmm. know that they're with you. When you're opening, you have to assume that they really don't care about you. And so there's a, uh, there's a really cool opportunity there to challenge yourself to win them over and be like, I know you're not here to see me. I know you're here to see the big band that's coming up after me. But I'm so excited to be part of your world for this 45 minutes or whatever it is. And I want to draw you in. And afterwards, I want you to be like, damn it, that was awesome. I can't believe we saw that guy. That was great. And so I kind of love the challenge of it. I think it's exciting. And it's it's fun to to see like an entire sea of people that are already music fans Mm -hmm. so you're not trying to you know it's not like you're playing a corporate gig where people are just kind of eating and drinking while you're playing in the background they're there to see music so now you just have to show them why they should listen to you and so it's kind of an exciting i don't know an exciting challenge
0: so you say that people are there to see i'm the person that's always right up in front in concerts and Mm. i get frustrated with the people around me because all they've got is their cell phones up trying to get the perfect picture the perfect video And I find it so distracting or disconnecting from a person viewing that. What is your perception of that? And does it bother you as well? Um, I you know what?
1: It's funny. I I kind of laugh internally when because Loving You Tonight would be my biggest single. And a lot of the time, as soon as I start playing that song, people pull out their phone and they take a picture. They're not videotaping it they will often take out their phone and take a picture. I'm like, I look the same as I've looked the whole rest of the concert. You should take a picture on a song that you don't like <laughs> instead of taking a picture on the song you do like because you're not even hearing the song. You're just seeing a picture and you're going to be like, this is when he was playing Loving You Tonight. It's like, well, <laughs> all right. I saw a video of Adele and she had commented, she was saying to people, hey, put your phones down or at least hold them like by your chest so you can still engage in the... uh Mm. in the opportunity. And I really respected that. I thought that was um, that was a unique way to encourage people. Now, again, if I'm opening for people and people are videotaping me, I'm happy to see it because then I know they're probably going to post it afterwards, which is going to help me in the long run. Yeah. But I do wish there was a way that I could just airdrop them all a bunch of videos <laughs> and be like, look, these are the videos that you would have seen from your spot I want you to be here and present right now because I know for me, if I pull out a phone and I videotape anything, I don't remember it as vividly and yeah. I'm not engaged in it as yeah. as wholly. And so, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a weird catch 22. I, I, I'm i happy to see that people are, they wanna catalog, uh, catalog that in their
0: mind yes. for the future. But I also, I'm like, no, just be here, just enjoy it. It's yeah. gonna get, it's stuck in here anyway. It's interesting because way back before cell phones, cameras weren't even allowed into the uh, concerts. Oh, that's right. So- it was just you there in the content, the cameras were confiscated then obviously they could not do that with cell phones no, for me no. i've always tried not to take my cell phone out ever since doing celeb savant i have to get a few shots a few videos because yeah. i have to as part of my job get you know for the media uh, get a couple of things but you're right yeah. because i noticed that when i'm trying to get that perfect video or perfect video shot or picture I'm not as present and enjoying it as then in the moment, but I get the shot, get the picture. And then the phone goes back into the pockets and, and then, yep. you know, just to experience it in the moment. So totally agree. Cause you'll
1: remember that and people forget that, you know, I, so like I said, I have a seven year old daughter and there's times where she goes, oh dad, like take a picture of this. And I'm like, I don't have my phone with me. Um, but what I want you to do is really focus on it and think about it and think of how it makes you feel. And then like, take that snapshot in your mind. And she's like, okay. And like her memory is so vivid and so colorful that I feel like if you were to look back on a picture, it's like seeing a picture of a sunset. It never does it justice. So it's yeah. like, if you can try and remember the feeling and the emotion of what you experienced at a concert, it will be better than the video
0: footage. And if you look at social media these days, it's everything is so filtered. So yes. it's not the real present moment memory. It's so many filters and so many layers above and above and over that, that. Right. it's not a, it's not the real thing that they saw in any case. That's right. Yeah. What is your perception that's of right. social media? Oh gosh.
1: It's um, <laughs> a great question. My perception of social media, I can see the value in it when it comes to staying somewhat connected to each other, because you do get to experience other people's lives, especially friends or family that maybe don't live in the same town as you. Mm-hmm. You get to see sort of what they're up to. Now, I also think there's a negative to it because then you go, You know, you see that person and there's no catch up because you're like, oh, I love that new car you got. And it sure seemed like you had a fun vacation and uh, the kids are great. So I don't even have to ask you. So we don't stay as connected verbally, right, to actually communicate with one another. I do unfortunately feel that it has cheapened a lot of things because things are so instant and uh, it's it's shortened music. It's shortened the lifespan of artists. It's allowed people to to blow up an artist or to blow up a product or inspire or encourage other people to purchase something, but it also cancels and destroys things if you have a big enough influence. And all of a sudden you say, no, we don't like this thing. And then everybody agrees with you and goes, no, we also don't, we don't like that either. Yeah. And I don't love that side of it. There's a new app. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you're using it in South Africa or I don't know if they have it actually. Um, it's called Be Real. Have you no. seen this no.
0: one? So no.
1: it's about? funny. I don't. I don't even know why I'm promoting it because I have nothing to do with it. But Be Real is an app that it's similar to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, you have a network of people on it. But Be Real, the app itself will send everybody in the network a notification and you have two minutes to post a photo. So you can't go do your makeup. You can't make sure that you're doing something cool. It's literally just what you're doing. And it shoots a picture forward of what you're doing and it shoots a picture back at your face. And then it posts to that network and it only posts every 24 hours. So in you have that two minutes to post a picture. That's it. So if you're hanging out with your kid or if you're like last night, I was hanging Christmas lights and I'm wearing a, you know, a toque and a, I'm freezing and I'm, I'm like, I'm outside hanging Christmas lights. There's no filters. There's no anything that you can do to this picture. You literally take a picture and it posts. So something about that to me, I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. Cause there's yeah. no hidden agenda. Yeah. So anyways, That's my, my sort of rant on social media. I use it sparingly. I use it. It's funny. I use it less now than I used to, because I'm in a happier position in my life. So I'm doing more things in real time Mm -hmm. with my family and experiencing things in real life that I don't have as much time to post because I don't have as much interest in posting what I'm doing because I'm having too much fun doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a direct correlation sometimes when people are posting all the time. Yeah. If it's like, are you missing out on real life and are you enjoying it? Or are you just hoping that other people think you are? And that's where you get your
0: validation. It's interesting because for me, uh, uh, I've never been on social media pre to celebs events. I have found it it freaked me out. And then Celeb Savants, the podcast obviously came out of it. It's it's a tool to promote and that. So when I go into social media, I'm literally doing Celeb Savants stuff. That's it. I don't, uh, you know, media stuff or stuff about the podcast coming out. I don't do anything personal. And um, I, I hear what you're saying because you think just, yeah, do those people need that validation because they're not so happy in their own lives. So getting it from an external place, Allows them to feel something for a moment or a second, and mm-hmm. getting happy in their own real life could potentially take them away from that. So, uh, agree and with I, you.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I, um, I know for me personally that was a true statement. And I, I also had read one time that if you are engaged in social media, as in if you are flipping through Instagram and you like pictures and you comment on them, those kind of things, and that's a healthier way because then at least you're actually still engaged and part of. Um, the interaction with another human whereas if you're just scrolling and you just look it ends up becoming really detrimental to your mental health it's like you're just looking at everybody else's stuff you're not really engaged in it or you know contributing to it you're just flipping through it so i've tried to be more like that if i'm actually going on there i'll actually try and comment on people's posts or try and like interact with it and i I find that that definitely makes it a, a healthier engagement tool for me
0: yes sure Now, let's go back to the music. You mentioned that a little bit earlier with the speed and the way music is released. Now, previously, many years ago, we had CDs, vinyl, cassettes. I'm so grateful those are coming back because I love me a CD. I love holding it. I love the pictures. I love the storyline of the lyrics, the production notes, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if you're aware that last year, the first time in 21 years, CDs had a gain in sales so that's fantastic but Mm -hmm. what is your perception of the way people consume music now on the digital platforms compared to previously in the physical world or in the physical
1: yeah i again it's one of those funny cash 22s for me where i'm like wow you have a like i know as a consumer if i'm looking for one specific song or a playlist i can put a playlist on and i'll be exposed to music that i hadn't previously heard and i go oh i like that song and i'll you know, attach myself to it and be like, I want to hear more from that artist. Yeah. The downside is though, is that people don't remember the artist now. They just hear the song. So if you're listening to a a dance playlist, every song kind of sounds similar. And so you don't really, there's not that same fan feeling. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, I love that artist. You're like, I actually don't know the artist. I just know the song. And I only know the song for, you know, a week because I did a little TikTok video with it. And now (laughs) I'm going to throw it away and go to the next song. And I think that that's that's unfortunate because there's no investment. Whereas, you know, back yes. in the day, we used to go to the record store and be like, oh my gosh, the new Collective Soul record came out or the, you know, the new Green Day album's out yeah. or whatever. And you'd get in exactly what you said. Like I had CDs that, you know, the, the insert was all like mushed by the end because you put through and be like, what are those lyrics? You try to learn them from the album notes. and
0: You say that yeah, and yeah, I, it freaks yeah. me out because I'm so i finicky with my CDs. Like, no one can touch them. I'm the one that can <laughs> I've turned the pages gently. When you say the insides, of am out It's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't pull that. Don't, um, tell it. no, no. It's also interesting because I found out the you through Spotify. That's, I found yeah. you the way that you wanted. That's song that's uh, yeah. came up as a recommendation. And yep. I was like, oh, this is super cool. I've added to my spinning playlist. Now everyone here is loving this song. So, Thanks. um I don't necessarily know if I would have found you and your music through. Yeah. So there's all these different elements that play into it.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's the money, I mean on the catch 22 is that I also find a lot of artists that way because, you know, you put on a, you know, if I put on Andrew bell radio, then I get to now hear all these other artists that are somewhat similar to him. And all of a sudden I'm being exposed to Matt Kearney and, and like whoever else. And I know for me then i will you know i'll do some research and find it afterwards but one one thing is that i noticed though is that it can be difficult to sort of explain or expose to a new generation the value of music because they don't necessarily yeah. see it because they don't realize that like wow the song that you listen to is not just two minutes that you yes. got for free because you have a spotify like account it probably costs them years of experience and mm-hmm. then like they wrote the song and then they had to spend money or time and investment to put that song out they put it out and their whole heart is on the line when they put that song yep. out and there's some 50,000 songs uploaded a day to spotify yep. and so it's really really difficult to sort of climb that ladder and you know if a if a person finds that song it's like a needle in a haystack and then if they invest in that artist that's amazing but if they just kind of go ah oh, was great it was great. It in some ways it cheapens music. And yeah. I, I wish yeah. it didn't, but it also exposes us to more, which I do yeah. love. So. so
0: for me, also. I've got my Spotify playlist, but I still buy the CDs. And for me, that's mm-hmm. an energy exchange to say thank you to the artist for say the hard work, the time, uh, the effort, the lyrics. It, it's that whole cool. you know, that whole energy exchange for me. That's as a thank you to you guys.
1: <laughs> uh, for doing well, the work cool. that you do. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Sure. I love playing this game. The recipients don't generally like playing the game, but I know if I ask you this question in two minutes, 10 minutes, tomorrow, five hours, the answer will be different each time. But your top five favorite songs in this moment by other artists. Oh gosh. Um, I Like Me Better by Love.
1: I think it's a great song. John Mayer... What is the name of the song? I can't remember the name of the song. Darn it. Anyways, how can it be my favorite if I don't remember the name of the song? The lyric in it that I love is it's like punching underwater. You never can't hit who you're trying for, which okay. I think is a, just a genius lyric. I love the song by Old Dominion. Really bad with song titles, apparently. Um, what the heck is that one called? But no fine, it'll give yeah. the
0: listening audience to go Google. So song okay. by Old yeah. Dominion. So you got two yeah, more. Song by Old Dominion.
1: <laughs> I got two more okay uh let's see michael buble's one december night because it's almost christmas time so it's like been listening to a lot of a lot of christmas music okay and actually my daughter just started singing andy Grammer's honey i'm good and i think that's hilarious that she's yeah. singing it she's trying to ask me for the an explanation on it and uh but i love that song when it came out a good friend of mine wrote it with him and i feel like it's
0: just a great great yeah. great record so yeah i'd say those those are the ones Cool. Now yep. putting it out there that you'll come perform in South Africa soon okay. and then I'll be right in front cheering you on and then we'll be go for coffee or drinks afterwards. I love this. Have you, you've never been to South Africa before?
1: No, I have not. I worked okay. on a cruise ship for for a year and I became friends with a few guys from South Africa. Very yep. very good friend of mine was Fultmer and a uh, great guy. And so I, uh, you know, my impression so far of anybody that I've met that's South African is wonderful.
0: Good. So then uh, we're putting it on the list and In the energy for you to come out and perform. Now, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. The main listening audience is in the UK, the USA, Australia, and South Africa. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, I mean, I feel like we've been hearing it for the last, you know, few years, especially through all of our governments, basically saying, be kind. But, you know, when all is said and done, and uh, the only thing that we get to, like, leave is whatever it is that we felt that we, we could offer. And so I think we all have like this beauty within us that we just need to share so that the world just becomes better. I know it sounds like kind of cliche, but that's what I genuinely feel.
0: As Andy says, be your beautiful self and the world will be a better place. This is that's Les right. Weint, signing out with Mr. Andy Allen. Yeah.